0: Oh, hello there. Welcome to the show. This week we are going to talk about some early Stevie Kila's in German history, which means this stupid accent is going to be very prominent in the show. I can do it too because I am very caffeinated right now. And so maybe i do the whole show this way. Who knows? Either way, hope you're going to enjoy it and not skip away. Let's start the show. <laughs> Welcome to Our Weird World. I'm your host, John Henson. You didn't think I was going to do the accent the entire time. I mean, I guess it's it's not completely out of the question that that would be something that I would do, but I think I would get very annoyed of myself. At that point, uh, if I tried to do the whole thing that way. So um, I don't know how much the accent will actually show up. Um, We got two stories this week uh, of some uh, serial killers, very, very prolific serial killers in uh, Germany's early history. Uh, We're looking at the stories of Christman, Jennifer Tanga and Peter Nears, but also take these stories with a grain of salt. Some people don't necessarily believe that um, the way that these stories have been preserved is what actually happened or that some of the numbers um are are what they truly were so uh we'll look at both of these stories and we'll see what you think it's story time Our first story is of Christman Jinnipertanga, who was uh, this German, obviously he was German, uh, this He was he was a robber, uh, like an outlaw, but he mainly just killed people. And over the course of 13 years, he allegedly killed nine hundred and sixty four people along highways, uh, quote unquote highways. I mean, you know, not highways as we know them today, but uh, along main roads uh, in Germany near the city of Cologne. Um, Christmas escapades were so outrageous and his story is pretty out there that a lot of germans actually argue over uh, the validity of his story or if he even actually existed it's, it's almost like germans are completely unaware that their culture is capable of doing horrifically heinous things um you know like hitler holocaust definitely happened Guy who kills 964 people by attacking people as they come along the roads? No, completely impossible. We, we would not do such a thing. We kill Jews, yes. We kill all the Jews. But random people on the highways? No, we can't do such a thing. All right, there's the accents coming back. Um, <laughs> But despite this uncertainty uh, around, you know, uh, Jinnipur uh existence and, and whether or not this stuff is true, uh, his story has been passed down... Uh, for many generations and retold uh, in various pamphlets and other literary works over the years. So according to the general consensus in most accounts, uh, Christman lived in a cave for about seven years overlooking uh, the roads between the cities of Dietenhofen, Metz and Trier uh, on the border between France and Germany. Um, you know, he turned this cave into this really elaborate home, which had like various rooms, household goods, uh, and also a mine shaft, which is what he used to dump the bodies of his victims. So for about six of those seven years, Christman and various accomplices, which he would then murder shortly after committing the highway robberies, would prey on German and French travelers coming through the area Uh Then Christman moved to Frostburg where he met the daughter of a basket maker from uh, the town of Popert uh, who was on her way to Trier to meet her brother. So she's passing along this highway Uh, and Christman, he comes out, he's planning on killing her, but then he changes his mind and forces this girl to come and live with him and be a sex slave. Uh, For the next seven years after that, Chrisman kept this girl chained in a secluded room while he went out and did his robberies and his other murders. Um, He fathered six children with this girl, all of which he immediately choked to death as soon as they were born. (laughs) Like Anyway... um, he would then and then and then to make things worse he would then hang these bodies up and stretch them out on an opening so that they would move in the breeze <laughs> so like he's fathering kids with this girl that he has kidnapped and then as soon as they pop out of there he chokes them to death and then and then hangs these little fetus bodies i don't know why i'm laughing but he hangs these bodies up In like this opening of the cave so that when the draft comes through, he's got like a little, little dead baby wind chime going very, uh, just weird. Um, And this is, and when he did it, like whenever the breeze would come through and he's got his little dead baby wind chime, this is what he said. This is like an exact quote. He said, dance, dear little children, dance. Jinniputanga, your father is making the dance for you. Like, why? Why do you say those things? That is, that's real creepy. That is real creepy, and none of this surprises me coming from a German serial killer. Um, In 1581... Uh, I don't know if I ever even set up the time period when this was going. Uh, no, I did not. So yeah, this is like 1500s. Um, this girl that he's kidnapped and then murdered all of her children, uh, finally begged and pleaded with Christman enough to let her out so she could go meet other people and just kind of live a normal life. Like she's been isolated from society for like seven years or something and finally gets, convinces chrisman to let her out and like start socializing again um chrisman he reluctantly agreed to this on the sole condition that she would not speak of anything that she had witnessed over the last six years obviously um, but with here's the thing but within minutes of arriving in the village of Bergkessel and seeing a group of children playing in the street this girl immediately broke down and just cried out to no one in particular just starts confessing everything that happened in the middle of the street to anyone who would listen so on may 27th 1581 a group of armed men set out to chrisman's hideout to capture him um and to do that the girl had gone back to the cave kind of relaxed chrisman into a deep sleep after delousing his hair because that's a thing you had to do all the time in the 1500s um but he's out cold really relaxed which allowed the townspeople to break in without any issue um, and arrest him and take him off to jail and while he's in jail the townspeople then just looted his cave and uncovered all of his stolen goods which included a bunch of wine meat armor weapons and money um with a total estimated value of 70,000 gulden which i don't know what the exchange rate on that is but it's probably a lot of money um the townspeople also found a diary with detailed records of all 964 of Chrisman's murders. So that's how they came up with that number. Um, And he, he happily confessed to every single one of them. And he even added that he was going to go for a thousand and that he likely would have stopped at that point if he had gotten a thousand. So on June 17th, uh, Chrisman was found guilty of all of those murders and he was sentenced to death by the breaking wheel. Now, what is the breaking wheel? You might ask. Well, it's not like the most violent way that we we used to kill people, but it's up there. It's way up there. Um, the breaking wheel was this torture method that was used in public executions, in which the person who was sentenced to death would lie was like tied down to the floor of this platform, and then the executioner would bring this large heavy wooden wheel that was fitted with iron bolts and then drop it on the convicted person's arms and legs in an attempt to break the bones. Probably didn't do it on the first try, but like so like you've got this heavy, dense, thick wooden wheel with some iron bolts on it probably sticking out to for extra damage and just dropping it on the arms and legs to break the bones. Then, once the bones were broken, um and, you know, all loosey goosey, uh, they would then be braided around another spoked wheel. And at that point, the executioner would either hoist the wheel up on a pole to ultimately decapitate this person or just simply throw them in the fi- in a fire. Um, in Christman's case, this is what's allegedly what happened. He was kept alive on this wheel. He was put up on the pole and he was uh, kept alive on the wheel for nine days with the help of a, quote, strong drink to keep his heart going before he finally died. So he is like, to to, give you kind of an image of what this looked like, he is, imagine this person, you know, your arms are broken at the shoulders in several places. Your legs are broken at the hips, again, in several places. Compound fractures. Your bones are just tiny fragments, not even connected. And so you just got noodle arms and legs and they are literally just wrapped around the spokes of this giant wooden wheel. And then he, Christman is the wheel is then hoisted up on this pole. And so he's just kind of like wrapped around it for 9 days and eventually he dies. But nuts, totally nuts. And like outside of the number of murders. Like that's the only that's the only part of the story that I have a problem with. Cause like at what point, like at least like around a hundred, maybe you start going a different way. Like at some point, the word of this stretch of highway, you will undoubtedly get murdered on go a different route. And for over the course of seven years, I mean, that's the thing too. It's like seven years, 964 murders over the course of seven years, is 137, 138 murders, all right, that is uh, basically one murder every, like, two and a half days, so, I, I don't know, man, like, at, that's consistent enough that, like, you just don't, you, you stop going that way, or maybe someone takes some action. But like to let that go over the course of seven years so like I don't think it was necessarily 964 murders, but the the fact that there could be this German serial killer who then made like a dead fetus wind chime and like said creepy things to it, I believe that 100%. Have you heard about the things that Germans do? Totally within their realm of possibility. Um but yeah, uh, you know, other than that like yeah, 964 people Oh, wait a minute. I did my math wrong. It was 13 years, not seven. So, okay. Well, either way, over 13 years, that's still 74 murders a year. And then one murder every four or five days. Still, the, the ratio's not great, you guys. Like, figure it out. I know communication wasn't great in the 1500s, but it was probably good enough to get word around that area that, hey, you're going to get murdered if you go down this road. Maybe skip it, you know, or at least after a year or two, like, you know, uh, a search party and an angry mob is going to go up to that cave and kill this guy. But whatever. Um, Our next story, our other story today is of Peter Nears, who like Chrisman, Jennifer Tango was this German bandit who spent a considerable amount of time murdering unsuspecting travelers that he was then robbing along rural German roadways. So, um, Peter started in 1577, which, um, is just, you know, it was about four years before Jennifer Tango was actually caught. So they're working around the same time. Um, And so in 1577, Niers was one of several members of a robbery gang that was captured in the town of Gersbach and was then tortured as part of their crime spree. And at that point, when he was caught this time, uh, he confessed to have already committed 75 murders before he then escaped prison. And over the next four years, Niers' reputation spread all around Germany, likely with some help from what was going on with Christman at the time. Uh, writers and poets wrote stories and pamphlets warning others of Niers and his ways. Probably because they learned about from Chrisman, interpreter, like let's get let's get the word out and maybe prevent some stuff from happening. Um, but allegedly, Niers and another gang leader. Um, allegedly, according to these stories, which is kind of where it gets a little fuzzy, they allegedly met with the devil in Falsburg, who not only approved of the gang's murders, but then gave them a monthly salary and supernatural powers to commit even more murder. Um, one of those powers that was granted to Nears was invisibility, which, look, if you're going to be a murderer, that's probably a good superpower to have. Um, but in order to remain invisible... Nears needed to uh eat dead babies. <laughs> which clear theme emerging here um since apparently those were in very short supply in Germany uh, in the 1500s and so nears murdered uh several pregnant women and then removed the fetuses and put them in his quote magic sack this story this story is really ridiculous um, whenever Niers was ready to disappear, and become invisible to, to murder people, he would cast a spell and grab a fetus heart from his magic sack and eat it. Uh, he would also mix the flesh and fat from his dead babies to make candles and other black magic spells. Well, finally in 1581, Nears arrived at the Bell's Inn in Nearmarkt, and after spending a couple days at the inn, he decided to take a bath where he left his bag of dead babies with the innkeeper. Because obviously, like hotels, they probably didn't have dedicated bathrooms. You had a bathhouse out. So Nears you know, leaves his belongings with the innkeeper. You, you get how it works. Um, when Nears arrived at the bath bathhouse, he was recognized by a basket maker who began circulating the news that the infamous serial killer, Peter Nears was in town. Uh, two, two towns, heard about this and went back to the inn and found, uh, Nears's dead baby bag. And with all the evidence they needed, they found eight of the biggest men in the village to come and capture him. Uh, and they did with nowhere to run. He admitted to even more murders. So in September of that year, Niers was tried and tortured for three days. And here we go. fun More more fun German torture. On day one, he was cut and mutilated. And then he had hot oil poured into his open wounds, which sounds terrible. All right? Sounds real bad. I don't even like putting, like, rubbing alcohol on a scrape because that hurts a lot. I would imagine you cutting me and then pouring, like, boiling hot oil would hurt way worse than that probably that's a that's a safe limb to go out on um, on day two nears his feet were covered in more oil and then placed on hot coals so that they would cook so they literally were just cooking him alive and then finally on day three uh, he was dragged to the gallows for the braking wheel which was dropped on him 42 times so this giant heavy wheel like we discussed with Chrisman. Dropped on this dude 42 times. And that did not kill him, amazingly enough. After all of this, he's still alive. So what they decided to do was quarter him. Now, what is quartering? Glad you asked. Um, Basically, imagine like a group of people, each grabbing your hands and your feet, and then pulling you in opposite directions. Like just four different directions. And that's what happened. Peter Nears was literally ripped apart, and that is what killed him. And that is today's stories. So there you go. Uh, fun, a couple fun German stories. Uh, always German history. So fun, always. Um, as for the validity and, and the whether or not these stories are... Absolutely true. Um, I tend to believe, like, for the most part, I think both of these guys existed. Um, I don't know that their victim counts were as high as, uh, you know, records will recount them as. Um, I think, you know, especially with Christman, Jennifer Dengel, like, his story... As it was preserved, I think, is I have no reason to doubt it other than the actual number of people that he killed. Um, Peter Nears, obviously, his story has been highly embellished, like, because the devil isn't real, all right? And we can have a separate discussion about that in a religious setting. But, you know, you don't go make a deal with the devil, you don't get supernatural powers, you don't turn invisible eating baby hearts does not make you invisible. Like the the likelihood is this story was just so horrific. This guy, this killer was so horrific that it was a little editorialized. And so, you know, people need, you know, he probably did kill pregnant women and he probably did kill a bunch of babies. And I think as a way to rationalize it, people throughout history have tried to give it this sort of fantastical explanation when I don't know that they necessarily had to. Um, but I, were both of these guys real? I think so, but let's see what else we learned today. What did we learn? Number one, Germans have a thing about dead babies. I don't know. I like, I don't know why. I don't know why both of these kill- killers like were really focused on killing, killing little babies, but they were. Um, so there's that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Number two, uh, they probably did not kill as many people as history said they did. They probably were prolific enough to kill a lot of people, but probably not in the same numbers that got reported on. And number three, German torture and just medieval torture and execution in general. So hardcore. All right? Like I am all for the death penalty. I'm all for expedited executions. I think in some heinous cases, maybe we do some stuff like breaking wheels and quarterings, but that's pretty hardcore. That's and that's that that has to be also just traumatizing for the people watching it you know, especially in like Peter Nears' case when he got quartered and like whether they used like horses or like a group of like four people literally just grabbed an arm and a leg and just pulled in opposite directions until he was literally ripped apart. Like taking part in that has to be traumatizing on some level. Maybe not. Maybe you're just so jaded and ready to die living in that time that it made a lot of sense and it was just part of life. But who boy, like. I mean, if we're being honest, like there's some people who totally deserve to get a breaking wheel, 100%. People who deserve to get quartered, people who deserve to get like oil, boiling oil poured into open wounds, 100%. Is it a lot of people? Eh, probably not. Probably like the worst people though. Like I think, I think Hitler, for example, if we'd gotten hold of him, all of that totally justified. And I think the world would have gladly taken part in that. But it's not how it goes. And now we have just life in prison. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that whole argument. But um, yeah, hardcore though. Next week on Our Weird World, I'm going to tell you a story that you almost certainly have never heard before. It is the story of Norman Baker. Who was Norman Baker? He was a he was an early radio host. Um, basically, he was like Alex Jones before Alex Jones. And if you think Alex Jones is a crazy person, you're going to think Norman Baker is a crazy person. And basically, Norman, kind of the father of people like Alex Jones and the reason that those sorts of people exist and have a platform and somehow make a ton of money. That's so frustrating. But... I will tell you the story of Norman Baker next week, so be sure to tune in for that. All right, that's going to do it. Thank you all for continuing to listen. Keep telling all your friends, and keep it weird.